spell it out to people, make a presentation, send it in an email, like make it clear that the work that you're doing. And I know that it can be really, really exhausting, but I think it's really important because people can't just plug into your brain, like you need to communicate it. This is Writers in Tech, a podcast where today's top content strategists, UX writers, and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets. Hello and welcome to Writers in Tech, a podcast brought to you by the UX Writing Hub, a platform dedicated to UX writers, content designers, content strategists, and basically writers in tech. My name is Yuval. I'm the founder of the UX Writing Hub and the host of this podcast. And today I have a very special guest. Her name is Suzanne Rehock. And Suzanne is a UX writing consultant. We don't have many of those, but we have a UX writing consultant from Australia. And fortunately for us, Suzanne is here to teach us everything she knows. Hey, Suzanne, how are you? Hi, Yuval. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming. I've been following your work for the past few years, like mainly on Instagram, to be honest. Ah, that's good to hear because I'd say my bigger audience is in LinkedIn and every now and then I think, is Instagram worth it? But hey, if that's where you found me, that's been worth it. <laughs> I found you for Instagram. I think we've connected also on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a bit noisy to me and you don't see a lot of voices in UX writing in Instagram. So you're one of them. So I've been following that one. <laughs> cool. So what it's like to be a UX writing consultant? Yeah, it's really, really cool. So it is a little bit different. I think a lot of UX writers are embedded in a big company. There's a lot of opportunities there for sure. But as someone who's sort of done that and did that a long time ago, I started 10 years ago working at Booking.com when I lived in Amsterdam and learned a lot there. That was before we were even called UX writers. So sort of had that experience you know, a lot of people that you talk to, actually, I think this is interesting, start in a different discipline and have ended up in UX writing. And I've kind of gone sort of the other way where I started in UX writing, I moved into copywriting, and now I find myself sort of happily embedded in the connective tissue between the two things. <laughs> <laughs> what I do as a UX writing consultant really is go in to sort of fairly biggish companies and brands that are undergoing some kind of digital transformation. And generally, they haven't worked with a UX writer before. So while I would do the, the writing for the product, I'll also be the sort of an evangelism or an education piece that goes along with that, with workshops, resources, and sort of educating the teams how to get the most out of their UX writer, which they then usually go on to an employee and I say goodbye. Yes, that's amazing. We also have those kind of clients that they're not ready to hire UX writers. So they kind of, you know, testing the water with some kind of a freelance or consultant. And then the, the conclusion is always like, wait, you should hire a UX writer. We will help you to do that. <laughs> this is the process you should have with them. But please have someone that is going to do that all day long because you need them. Absolutely. And helping them write the job description and find the right person, all that kind of stuff. And I absolutely love that. I think like what I love the most in anything that I do is about connecting people with other people or with products. That's sort of what we do. So yeah, doing that on the soft skills side of things is also really fun. That's amazing. All right. So I have so many questions to ask. All right. So you said that you started in booking like 10 years ago. Booking is well known to they kind of started the whole UX writing thing. There aren't many companies out there that they can say that, that started it, but I think that Booking.com was one of them. So how was it like to build a UX writing team back then? 
Oh, it was so exciting. So I think when I started, there were five or six of us there. And now I think that that is, I don't know exactly, but, you know, potentially 10 times like, that. Yeah, it's like 100. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot more. It was really exciting to build it from the ground up. Like I said, we didn't have the title UX writing. I think we were called then like e-commerce copywriters. And honestly, I thought that that was what copywriting was, like writing these little bits of microcopy that we then A-B tested and, you know, sort of made right. decisions based on that and learned a lot about human psychology and user behavior and conversions and all that kind of stuff. And so just Learning by doing, I think, is an opportunity that I will never take for granted. I'm so grateful for my time there. I think I've had a really unique experience that is hard to come by because, yeah, we were kind of the first. And so even though it was scary because we didn't have any courses or resources or medium articles even really to speak of, we didn't even have like a name. Yeah, that was also sort of, I guess, freeing. Because, yeah, we could create it into whatever we wanted to. And there was great leadership. And, yeah, it was fab. Amazing. It still feels like we don't have a name. It's like, are you are we UX writers, content designers? Are we content strategists? Are we content magicians? You know? Content magician. I like that. That feels the most accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I've been thinking about this a lot too. And I'm glad you brought it up because I was hoping to have a discussion with you about it actually, just selfishly, because it is something that I've sort of been struggling with. So a lot of what my clients call me is a UX copywriter, which is an interesting one because I'm lying somewhere between the copywriting and the UX writing of a product. Like I said, these are people that these are often brands that don't have a fully mature sort of UX organization yet. And I'm sort of doing the copywriting and the UX writing and they're sort of informing each other. And so if I'm doing the full UX writing thing right, I would call myself a UX copywriter because that's what the users are calling me. But then I'm kind of nervous to introduce a whole new term when we've already got so many things going on. So yeah, UX copywriters is Another one, I think we should have some kind of alignment about the name here. It's, it's crazy how as content people, we find it so difficult to name a title. And it's mm. kind of putting like sticks in our wheels in a way that it's just confused the users, it's confused the clients, it confused the companies. And yeah, but a few people would argue that uh, UX writing, content design and UX copywriter are completely different. So it's an interesting argument. I'm doing a research right now with my team about the titles. So we just analyze many, many titles of different companies. We compare between the two and see if there is an actual difference, not like what people are saying, but what is the actual difference with the requirements of the, of the role. Mm. And we're doing massive research about it because we're super curious about it. It's going to affect a lot of things in the future and we need to know as a community how we should address ourselves. So I'm going to pub we're going to publish it soon, hopefully. And yeah, many companies are doing the change from content strategy or from UX writing to content design these days. Mm -hmm. UX copywriters is less common from what I know of. Uh, UX copywriters. And yeah, for sure. And we're doing polls on Facebook, LinkedIn, surveys, a lot of research these days about like what's happening and, and we will publish it as soon as possible because I think it's really important for everyone to understand like what's up. I think it's, yeah, I can't wait to see. I saw your post on LinkedIn about that. So I can't wait to see the results that you publish. But I also like to the importance of this. It's just vital because like I said, when, you know, when I worked at Booking, 
we were called copywriters. So when I moved, that was when I was living in Amsterdam and I moved back to Australia and I thought, okay, I'm going to go get a copywriting job. Fantastic. You know, and all the copywriting jobs and job descriptions were completely different to the work that I had been doing. And I guess it was about the same time that UX writing was sort of becoming known, but it was still only getting, I remember Googling it. And this was a couple of years into being an actual copywriter, as we know today. And it was still only getting 70 searches a month. So I don't know, like if I had known, okay, I'm a UX writer, I should be searching for UX writing jobs. That would have been fantastic. So for people first getting into the profession or the discipline, you know, this kind of conversation is vital for them. I agree. And, you know, I feel like we came a full circle lately because I saw that I think it was Shopify that was publishing a position named the a product marketing content designer. So I'm thinking to myself, isn't, isn't it like just copywriting or like UX copywriting maybe? Yeah, that's probably what I would call UX copywriting if I break it down. But maybe not. I guess I'd have to read the full description to get more context. And it's interesting. Product marketing content designer. It's like a person that is doing the the content for all of the marketing digital assets, like landing pages for shoppers and all of those. I don't know. It's it's an interesting time to live in. I think the the flip side of the coin is, you know, we can all get worked up about what our title is and stuff. But there is that I always like to look at the other side of things or I guess play devil's advocate. There's a freedom in that too, to sort of be who you want to be, do what you want to do and define your own role as well. If you have the, you know, once you get the confidence to do that kind of thing. But I would encourage people, you know, to not see it as a limitation so much as a freedom as well. I agree. I really hate definitions, to be honest. So we can avoid those. Just be yourself and just, you know, be in charge of the words. It doesn't matter how you call yourself. So you said that you are kind of working as a UX writer first and then as a copywriter and then mm-hmm. on the connective tissue between UX writing and copywriting. So I'd love to learn more about that. So I know that many product team avoid the marketing departments and the sales department and vice versa. So, and I think it's not supposed to be like that. I think writers <laughs> should work together in both, in both teams. So how does it work? How does the connective tissue between UX writing and copywriting works in your job as a consultant? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think marketing copy gets a really bad rap from UX writers. And I agree with you that the two actually can work really, really well together. I mean, as a member of the product team, you're so well placed to know not only the best benefits of the product, but also to have access to some pretty awesome voice of customer research. So what people are saying about, you know, because you're likely to be sitting in on those sessions or at least have access to transcripts, et cetera. So to not then extend that information into the marketing seems like such a shame and a missed opportunity to me. And as someone who's often coming into a team and doing both the copywriting and the product copy, that I have found to be amazing. I found my copywriting never to be as good as it ever has been before based on the insights that I might have when I'm actually, you know, developing the product or involved in developing the product. But a lot of copywriting techniques actually inform UX writing too. And if you cut it off, I think, completely, you're also missing the chance to be a better UX writer. So I guess what do I mean by that? And I would say, you know, sort of the persuasion techniques of Caldini, Caldini, Cialdini. I don't think I ever pronounced that right. You know, these are invaluable in spe- especially e-commerce, or but even like the payment flow for a software as a service product, for example, 
I mean, I can dig into that a little bit more if you think that would be interesting, like sort of how to. So my background is in sales, mm-hmm. like and like I was a sales rep for like you know brick and mortar cosmetic stores like I don't know ten years ago. Okay, yeah. and the best way to sell a product in real life is to identify what makes it so good to like the product yourself, to use it if possible, and to understand the, the key ingredients that make this product like really really great and how it gives value to to your customers at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And as you said, I, understanding the product uh, in a fantastic way as a product writer um, or as part of the people that work on the product in the product team definitely make you a better copywriter when you need to sell that product eventually in your marketing materials, emails, product pages, and whatnot. Because you, as a product writer, understand the key values because you, you had to communicate them within the product itself. So I definitely can relate to that. And uh, I'd love to dive more a bit about, like, for example, how can you do it in, in, in your software as a service product that you're working on? How can you is copywriting to sell the value of that product in a better way after you've worked on that product as a UX writer? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm going to use a real-life example because I love them. Of course. (laughs) I think that's an easier thing to sort of, you know, cling on to if people aren't sort of familiar with some of these concepts. But Mm -hmm. so one of these concepts is sort of like commitment and consistency. So people are more likely to continue to use their product or take the next step in their relationship with you if you can get them to commit to a small step first. So you just talked about how you had sales in bricks and mortar, right? So that's probably when you're standing out the front, maybe giving out a freebie or, you know, giving out a sample. So -hmm. therefore people have already taken a commitment. They've already engaged with you. So they're more likely to come inside the store and you're sort of taking them on this path. I mean, it's sales 101, right? (laughs) I love sales too. I'm obsessed with this stuff. (laughs) So, but in a product, how you could do something similar, and I'll use the example I was talking about, was ConvertKit. I use ConvertKit to send out my emails to my subscribers. And when I signed up for them, what I loved was their onboarding. So they incentivized onboarding. I think there were five steps that you needed to take, sort of set up, you know, the same stuff that you do every time you onboard in something, set up an account send your first email, you know, that kind of, I can't remember exactly what they were. But if you did all of those five things within the free trial, I think now I have to think if I'd already paid or it was a free trial. I can't remember. But within a certain time frame, they would send you a free T-shirt in the post. Nice. And I'm, I was just like, I want the swag, even though it's like <laughs> a free, even though it was a free T-shirt. You know, it was that getting me to commit to the product. And once I'd done those five things, I felt familiar with the platform. I knew how to navigate around it and I was more likely to continue with it because, you know, there can be a lot of, you know, people sign up for a free trial and then they don't find the time in the next seven days to use it. There's not an immediate need. So they just disengage. They forget they even downloaded it in the first place. So that's a beautiful example of how, you know, something that's typically thought of as persuasive copywriting or sales can actually be used within your product. That's amazing. And what's the monthly cost of ConvertKit? It depends how many subscribers you have. Well, let's say that if you're just starting out. I don't know. (laughs) Let's say it's like 10 bucks. No, it's a bit more than that. Like 20 bucks, 50 bucks. Yeah, somewhere around the 30. All right, so 30 bucks. And if we will multiply it by 12, it will be... Uh, $360 a year. 
yeah. uh, which is six three hundred sixty dollars ALR annual recurring revenue because it's recurring. And that's an interesting amount. You know, it's worth the t-shirt for that company. Yeah. You know, to give yeah. you the t-shirt, um, it's worth it. So uh, that's good business for them. And not only that, I'm going to take it to the next level then. Then, of course, I took a photo of myself in my t-shirt and told everyone how great the experience was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so then it feeds into their copywriting. See how they, you know, they talk backwards and forwards. There, is, there isn't this clearly defined line, I don't think. That's amazing. And yeah, I have the idea I want to give some swag to people now. <laughs> <laughs> I think swag is very powerful. <laughs> yeah, we underestimate the power of swag. I never created any type of swag. But I know that many artists these days, like if, you, if they like do concerts and stuff, a lot of the revenue that the artists earn is from swag, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't knew that until not that long time ago. All right. So back to ConvertKit. So <laughs> we talked about different ideas like to lure the customers in, just like I did with my brick and mortar cosmetic stuff and just like ConvertKit was doing. Can you give us more example about the connective tissue about between UX writing and copywriting? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the other thing is in copywriting, we talk about the levels of awareness. Have you heard of that sort of? So basically there are five levels of awareness and I don't have them in front of me now, but it's basically when someone's completely unaware, you know, of anything to do with you and the the problem that you solve. And then you've got, I think, problem aware, solution aware, product aware, and most aware mm-hmm. are the five stages. So if we translate this into UX writing, it's about, you know, starting the conversation from wherever the user is in that level of awareness. So if you have, what's a product? What's a good digital product that we'd all know? Um, Online course for UX writers. (laughs) An online course for UX writers. Okay, perfect. Do people, if they were completely unaware of it, you would be talking, you would start the conversation in educating people about what UX writing is. Right, and this is what we were doing for like, Four years before we had exactly, <laughs> but now that people are more aware of it, and your users have changed in their awareness level, you're probably starting the conversation somewhere else within the product itself. I'm not talking about the marketing of it. I'm talking about within the product itself, within the course itself. You're probably not going into quite so much detail about you know what it is, and I don't know. Maybe you are, but in this example, yeah. I would imagine you ju- you would just where you begin the conversation based on the level of awareness. So basically what we did is to create different digital products to different type of awareness. At first it was like, do I need a UX writer? What is a UX writer? What does a UX writer actually do? And afterwards when, when the community grew, it was more about like, okay, so how do I become one? Uh, and now when we have that type of awareness, it's more about, like, okay, now that I'm a UX writer, how can I be a better UX writer? If now I did the transition from zero to one, now how do I do a transition from one to 10? And how do I, maybe we, I want to learn about localization. Maybe I want to learn how to work with design tools. Maybe, you know, I want to to do workshops or something like that. So we had to create better products after the awareness to the field grew and after the community grew uh, as well. See, beautiful. And I think a lot of people are doing it without even realizing it. But when you're doing it consciously, you can do it better. Interesting. Because there's, there's a lot of resources and studies. There's more about copywriting than there is about UX writing. So if you can sort of 
Okay, I'm saying that I'm assuming that actually just based on how long things have been around. But I think that, yeah, you can leverage all this stuff, but you just need to think, put that little bit of extra spin on it to think, how can I use this? I mean, the classic one that everyone knows is, you know, on e-commerce sites where we use scarcity, you know, in our microcopy, one item left, someone else is looking at this, blah, blah, blah. So that's like the very typical example. Three people are looking on this room at this moment. (laughs) Those kind of things, yeah. But e-com I think is so interesting because that's the closest between the two. You know, I find it always very interesting to explain to someone that doesn't know anything about UX writing the fact that an e-commerce site has two sites, right? They've got the, the marketing site that's selling you on, you know, whoever, like, iconic be iconic they're like buy from iconic because you know it's going to be so great and we've got the hippest people and he's an influencer and blah 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 and then you might go to a website where you actually make the purchase or a separate web page where you actually make the purchase and that sort of transition between copywriting and ux writing again like the boundary is very blurred there Mm -hmm. i agree i heard someone saying in the past i think it was tori the author of the strategic uh, writing book Mm -hmm. that a copywriter is the salesperson in the bike store and the UX writer is the person, it's the big brother that guides you how to ride the actual bike. I don't know. I just really liked that example. Then I'm going to run with that example and say what I'm talking about is the big brother who is teaching you how to ride the bike is probably using some of the same motivation techniques borrowed from the salesperson. He's going to tell you to keep going. Exactly. And the salesperson told you, hey, this bike have three different options that you can, I don't know, go to the mountains with them. And then your big brother will take you to the mountains to use those features and to actually help you to get the best out of your new bicycles. For sure. For sure. There is a, there's definitely a link there. And I love it. I love that my job allows me to do both of these because for a long time, I thought I had to brand myself and plant my flag in either camp. I was a copywriter or a UX writer, and I'm very happy to have found sort of a middle ground where I can do both for people. Amazing. So I know that companies hire you today as a UX writer consultant. So how does your process of lending a client look like? So they find you, they chat with you, they probably need a UX writer, and then you need to tell them, I'm I'm not going to be a, a UX writer in your team, but I'm going to help you. So how does that work exactly? It's different with every client because I'm often working with people for extended periods of time, you know, sort of six months to the two-year bracket. So I don't have a lot of clients, I guess, but I don't need a lot of clients. So it's pretty bespoke. I just try to, I mean, the first thing, usually people hire me because they've heard that they need a UX writer, a UX copywriter, or but they may have a different idea of what that is. So they may think that they need a UX writer, but when I look at the briefs, it's actually just copywriting or vice versa. And then sort of, I guess my first sort of call with them, I will work to really truly understand about what they need and just have that conversation and see if there's a place that I can lend value. And then generally I'll be sort of working very closely with their teams. Do you know what I mean? Like we'll be, I'll be pretty much embedded into the team and have sort of stakeholder meetings and get to know everyone, sort of build up. uh, It's very important to build up a relationship of trust with the designers and the developers who themselves may have never worked with a UX writer before and also the leadership team. So that's sort of the first piece of the puzzle. Amazing. And to the listeners that listen right now and 
also probably they are also just getting started or they are doing it for a while now and they want to ask okay so should i charge hourly for something like that or okay if it's a client for six months to two years i guess it's some kind of a retainer so what's your methodology to price yourself yeah it's, this is an interesting one actually so i work on a retainer basis i charge by the day And that is for whether I'm sort of have a longstanding relationship with someone. But I also do, one of my favorite things to do is to do one day sessions with smaller brands, you know, people that just usually, you know, smaller startups or something like that, that are just looking at getting their first website real schmick and just doing a day or a couple of days or a week with them as well. And I just find the day rate works really well for me because I'm not constantly having a lot of what I do is very bespoke. So I'm not constantly having to break my head trying to figure out exactly what's going to be involved and then having to push back and saying, oh, that wasn't included. I find all that kind of stuff exhausting. And yeah, I like being embedded in the team like that. So if it's a longer contract, for sure, it's a retainer. We're like a day or a couple of days a week. It is exhausting and there isn't a more exhausting thing than to price yourself in like the wrong way and then feel like you've been used or something like that or, you know, the client <laughs> asking stuff and you're like, oh, they don't respect my time, they, you know, and I feel like it is really smart that just charge for the day and they give all you've got and yeah. that can be a great idea. And I think like I, I do also generally give them an indication of what I think I will be able to do in a day. So I generally say for a website, for example, I should be able to do, you know, two or three pages of a website, you know, and for a digital product, once I've seen it, I might be able to say, oh, I think I can do so many frames within a day or something like that when we, I'm just doing the writing. But I also make it very clear that there's a consulting piece and that sort of, you know, will take as long as it will take. And if things come up, you know, they can count on me to solve them. I'm not going to leave them in the lurch, but it might take more time, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't guarantee deliverables, but I do give people an estimation of what I can generally get done and examples of previous work that I've done and things like that to help get it across the line. And to your point, Yuval, really important to charge confidently because you don't want to end up in a position where, you know, you're resenting the project or you can't make your business work and you have to close your doors, worst case scenario. It happens. It, it might happen if you, you know, it's a slippery slope. You charge yourself in some way that you don't feel comfortable with, but, you know, the client is already used to it and you just go with it because you don't want to lose the client. And from one place to another, you kind of roll that you're not very happy with the work. So it's mm. very important to raise your prices, to feel confident about charging more because we should charge more. We solve complicated problems to our to our customers it's not only i'm saying only in quotes but it's not only about the writing it's about solving critical business issues to those customers and everyone should know that and that's the reason we're not just writers we are the ux writers we are the problem solvers when it comes to communicating those products and services and it's really really important it might be more important than a lot of other stuff going on in that company yeah i agree and i think the only way that people can know the value that you're bringing in from a strategic point of view is if you take them on that journey. So always providing reasons behind why, you know, the, the, the same thing that we've just talked about here in these different psychological principles that I use to inform the copy choices that I make or, you know, on a deeper UX 
strategy level, you know, the, the thinking behind that, spell it out to people, make a presentation, send it in an email, like make it clear that the work that you're doing. And I know that it can be really, really exhausting, but I think it's really important because people can't just plug into your brain. Like you need to communicate it. I agree. Always add rational and reasoning and it might be data driven or it might be gut feeling driven, but always say why you did it because also your gut feeling is also data driven. It's all of your experience until this day that made you make that decision. Couldn't have said that better myself. Perfect. Thank you, Susanna. <laughs> I know that I see that I've said that you published a few months ago some content about a guide that you're writing for UX writers, the UX writers guide. So what is that mm. all about and when is it going to be out? Yes. So the UX writers guide, I first published it, I think about a year ago, and it was just sort of 10 things that I wish I'd been told right at the start of my career when I was sort of, you know, building UX writing from the ground up within the company I was working for. And it went really, really well and people found it really, really useful. And a lot of it wasn't focused on the sort of the how to do the UX writing. There's lots of other great courses, not too well, out there that teach you how to do that. But it's more sort of like how to work within a team, what's expected of you, how to make sense of a copy brief, you know, like a UX writing brief, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, people received it really, really well. And I thought, okay, well, you know, let's take it to the next level. And I asked for feedback and sort of did a whole process around that. And now it's relaunching at the time that we recorded this podcast, but it might not be available by the time it's published, but it will be available within a few months. So don't panic. You can put your name down on the wait list. <laughs> Give me a link and I'll edit in the show notes. Okay, beautiful. Will do. And it's just got lots of frameworks. It's a it's an interactive PDF and it's sort of almost like a self-led course that you can use over and over again. Every time you sort of find, find yourself sort of stumbling over a specific point, you can sort of go back and plug in the answers and get some clarity on what steps to take. Amazing. Looking forward to checking it out once it's out. And we talked about many things today. We talked about like the connective tissue between UX writing and copywriting. We talked a little bit about titles. We talked about charging, like the, the anxieties around charging your clients and, and how we should do it well. And also about what I really liked when you talked about the big, like we talked about it together about like the the, set, the bicycle shop one, right? And how, how the big brother is also assisting the salesperson, you know, to kind of show the, the user, the, the little brother, how the bike actually works. So that's that was interesting. And after this recap, I want to say, uh, okay, we should name this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I knew you were going to ask me this. We also mentioned the word swag about 17,000 times somewhere <laughs> That's true. When we talked about ConvertKit, we talked about swag and also the five principles of customer awareness. That's true. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So something about, I mean, if we look at the overarching thing, well, the big brother, little brother thing is kind of fun, isn't it? It is. But will it make people like oh, no. want to listen to this episode? What mm. do you think? We need to make it a bit clickbait, I guess. What about free swag then? If we're going to get someone to click, it's got to be... <laughs> something free swag has to be in the title no yeah, yeah that might be it let's think about it or can it be some kind of joke like that it is a tough one like something how does a typical you know i'm thinking of like a salesman and a big brother walked into a bar <laughs> what happened next 
Alright. Oh. <laughs> Wait, a salesman and a UX writer walks into a bar, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Can it be something like... Maybe something controversial, like is UX writing is actually sales, you know, something like, okay, obviously not. But... I don't want people to like um, stop right, listening right. to your podcast. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> And it might happen if I'll, if I'll keep uh, doing clickbaits, I guess. <laughs> no, we delivered <laughs> on the clickbait, so it's not really clickbait. Right. Oh, man, this is so tough. It's tough. It's tough. I know, Suzanne, it's tough. We might do the salesperson, the UX writer, walk in, walks into a bar. I think it was good. Maybe something about... What happens when a salesman and a UX writer walks into a bar? Yeah, that might work. Salesperson. Not yeah, says person. Let's do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So then it was, I think it was the first time we actually talked in real, in real life, right? Like not real life, but on, on a video call, right? Yes. It was a lot of fun uh, for me. I learned a lot, first of all. And it's I fun. believe that the, the listeners learned, uh, are going to learn so much about like, about like how to do it, how to do it, like you, how to do it as a freelancer. That's a big challenge many people have today because companies don't know how to hire a freelancer and freelancers not sure how to find different projects. So I think all of your tips would, would deliver fantastic guidance to to all of the people out there that, that uh, needs it. So thank you for that. Oh, no, honestly, this was absolutely such a thrill. I love your podcast, so it has been absolute pleasure to be on here with you. Oh, so then thank you so much, and I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Me too. All right. Thank you so much for uh, joining us for uh, the Writers in Tech podcast for today, brought to you by the UX Writing Hub. My name is Yuval. I'm the founder of the UX Writing Hub, and I had the pleasure to talk with Suzanne Rehok today and I'm going to see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.